Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We're back with another edition of the Waiting for Next Year podcast brought to you by Evergreen Podcast. Live on Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, YouTube. Um, tonight, we are joined by 11 Warriors' Callan Hassel to once again talk about Ohio State basketball and the NCAA, tur- NCAA tournament as a whole because it is one of the best times of the year in sports. So, yeah, last night I had Joey Lane on, who's a former Ohio State player, and tonight I figured, figured I'd get Colin on, get more – Ohio State info and just talk hoops. I mean, this is the best time of the year, like I said, so you can never talk too much college hoops this time of year. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate being on. I probably don't have the three-point jump shot that Joey Lane does, but I appreciate appreciate being on nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, last year we thought it was going to happen, and then the COVID had other plans, so there was no NCAA tournament this year. There's not only an NCAA tournament, but it's going to look different. But I feel like Ohio State has a legit chance to make some noise, which is, I mean, this is already one of the, the best times as a sports fan just because there's college hoops on for like 12 hours a day in a two-day stretch. Mm-hmm. But with uh, with Ohio State actually looking good and maybe being able to make some noise, it just makes it so much better, I guess. What are your thoughts on the Buckeyes going into the tournament Considering, I mean, injuries have played a part in their struggles recently prior to the Big Ten tournament. But just like, how has the Big Ten prepared them for the NCAA tournament as a whole? It's funny because you know, if we had a con- if we had conversations on a weekly basis for the last three weeks or so, we would probably just pretty much just run the gamut of, you know, probably a month ago, I would have said, are they like, are we talking about them as one of the two, three best teams in the country? And then we get to a point. Um, where they lose four straight, and it's like, I, I, don't, I it, it was, it was hard to evaluate what the team was because I think before that stretch, you were wondering what this team's ceiling was. I think maybe we learned a little bit about that, but the way they bounced back in the Big Ten tournament, I think, told you a lot about what this team has and what this team can be as well. Um, I think you're right. Like, I think that this is an opportunity for Ohio State to get far in the tournament. It's been a while since they've. You know, made it to that second round of the NCAA tournament. I think they're due back, and I think that, to be quite honest, it would be a pretty big disappointment this season if, if they don't get there. Um, obviously, I don't think it's not like any path in NCAA tournament's easy, but I think that the path ahead of them is doable at least. I think that this path could have been worse if you're looking at an Oral Roberts team that's you know really good as a three point shooting team in the first round, but has zero size, is atrocious defensively. Um, it's not a team that Ohio State should lose to. If you look at the second round games, like I think Florida and Virginia Tech are, are both solid teams, yet also both beatable teams. And then, you know, then it starts to get more challenging, whether it's Arkansas or Texas Tech up nets and Baylor in the Elite Eight. There are some really tough games ahead, but but I look at this path and I think like, you know, it's you can envision Ohio State getting to the Final Four or even the national championship, which is like it's important to state just because it wasn't that long ago that people were wondering about whether this team actually could get there. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't too long ago that Thad Mata was let go or 
whatever you want to say, he resigned. And everyone thought, what's going to happen to Ohio State basketball? And now it seems like Chris Holtman not only has him back in the national landscape, but they're one of the – I mean, I guess in a year like this, it's tough to say that they're one of the best teams in the country because they went from, like, a top four team, like you said. It was it, Two weeks ago, it looked like they were going to be a surefire number one seed, and then they lost three or four straight, and then they came back, obviously, and the um, Big Ten tournament and had four games in four days. But I don't know. I talked to Joey about this last night, too. Dwayne Washington and EJ Liddell, Ohio State will go as far as they take them. But I feel like this team is so deep and they're so talented that you don't need Dwayne Washington and EJ to always put up 20 and 25 points a night to win a big, to win a game. I mean, when you have Justice Suing and then CJ Walker and Kyle Young, if he's healthy, if and when he's healthy, Seth Towns, who has been a shell of himself, but he's shown glimpses of dominance i mean when you have such a deep roster that's what you need in march right yeah i think to an extent i agree i the one thing that i would say though is that i would have agreed a lot more a month ago um and i think that the 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 past little stretch has maybe made me go the complete opposite direction um because i think i've seen what Dwayne washington is developing into and i've seen what ej liddell is when he's really good and i've seen chris holtman tighten the rotation a little bit and 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 you know, the importance that I think C.J. Walker is going to have in, in the postseason, the same with Justice Suing. Um, I, I quite honestly, like I think I think those guys are probably going to take them to, to their heights and and, and and how far they can go. Like, I think that the, the role players are going to be important, especially situationally. When you look at, you know, the three point shooting that 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 Justin Orange brings, the defensive um, ability in, in Musa Jallo, and, and you, like you mentioned, the, the the shot making ability and, and you know the offense that Seth Towns has. I think those guys are important, and I don't want to diminish their impact. But you know, you're, you're I, I think Chris Holman has tightened his rotation for a reason, and I think a lot of that's because he's going to rely really, really heavily on on some of those guys up front. And to be quite honest, like like I'm just looking at Dwayne Washington and I'm and, and sort of my my process of figuring out like how far I want to pick Ohio State to go in the tournament is a lot about like do I believe right now that like Dwayne Washington is an all-American type of player which is a little bit crazy I think to some people but if you look at his recent stretch like I think over the last 2 2 and a half months he's he's been playing at, a, at, at you know at a level that I think you can at least have that kind of conversation um and I don't know, like I think Dwayne Washington is playing playing to at, at such a high level right now that I think you can get a little bit um, maybe over your skis with, with him. But uh, I actually, you know, to your point, like I think the depth is important, but I do look at sort of those frontline guys as maybe even more important to to the to this team in March than, than I would have said maybe a month or two ago. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, Dwayne Washington might have the most, oh, no, 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 don't shoot that shots, and then it goes in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if there's, like, a tracker on that, but he has to have so many. I mean, even in the Big Ten title game against Illinois, he had at least two or three of those, where it's when he's on, he's one of the best offensive players in the country, but when he's off, I feel like he still thinks – I mean, I, I'm not knocking him, but shoot or shoot. So I feel – he needs to be on in order for Ohio State to and I, they can beat the Oral Roberts of the world, but I think in order to, to have a chance against Baylor and even Arkansas, Dwayne Washington has to be on. Well, even, even if, if you look, team is deep. 
Yeah, I mean, even if you look at the the matchups coming up, like in the second round, they could play Trey Mann, who's a first-team All-SEC guard. In the Sweet 16, they could play Moses Moody, who's a potential lottery pick, or they could play Mac McClung, who's, you know, the Big 12 newcomer of the year. The Elite Eight, they could play, you know, what a Baylor backcourt that a lot of people think is the best in the country. You know, in the in the Final Four, you could look at another matchup with Io, or you could look at um, Miles McBride from, from West Virginia. Um Quentin Grimes from Houston. There, there are just a lot of really high-level guards that that Ohio State's going to see if it's going to make it far in the tournament. And that's why I look at Dwayne and say, like, you don't want to make this a one-on-one matchup. And you know, Chris Holtman talked a little bit about the, that this week. Um, but if you're going to compare stat lines at the end of the night for a lot of these games, it's going to be really important for Dwayne Washington to be on. And I do think, like, if you look at Dwayne's numbers, he's shooting 41% for. Um, from the field this year 38 percent from three and like those are solid numbers you'd probably want that field goal percentage to be higher a, a little bit but I'll say recently it has been higher and it's been higher consistently and a lot of that too is it's a lower percentage because he's just a really tough shot taker and he's a high level shot maker but he takes some really really tough ones and it's important for Ohio State to hit them and that's why I think you know I think his ability to get to the rim over the past month or two has is, is really expanded his game further and made him a more efficient player because that was something that really for a while was lacking with him. Um, and, and he's shown an, an ability to do that. And I also think we're probably going to see that a lot because it's not like we're going to see Ohio State play a, a Kofi Coburn um, in, in the first couple games of the NCAA tournament. You're not going to see some of these bigger centers that have given Ohio State fits a little bit. Um, to me, to me, this is a this is a huge threat for Dwayne Washington. What he can be? Yeah, I know you said recently his numbers have improved in the Big Ten tournament. So in four games, he averaged twenty three points and shot fifty percent from the field and forty four percent from long distance. I mean, as a go to guy, that's all you can ask for when he's not only doing that, but then he's also getting to the free throw line a little bit. He's averaging five and a half rebounds, two point eight assists. I guess, I mean, it will be hard for him to keep up with that, especially now that teams are going to focus on him in such a tournament that, I mean, that's what you do, um, especially, and the defense will get more intense. But if Dwayne Washington can play any anything close to what he had in the Big Ten tournament, Ohio State, I mean, the sky's the limit. I, they'll run into the Baylors of the world who are very good. But I feel like if Dwayne Washington's averaging 23 points a game, along with what E.J. Liddell can bring and everyone else like we talked about, the sky's the limit, at least for offensively. We'll talk about them defensively, but offensively, the sky's the limit. I think defensively, they're always going to be a little bit of a uh, mess might be too strong of a word, but I might argue it might not be too strong of a word. Um I think they're always going to have some deficiencies on that end of the court just because of, of what they are and, and the parts that they have. But, um, you know, I think I, when I evaluate, like, what this team can be defensively, I'm interested to see what it will be like when they don't have one of those guys in the low block that they're going to have to double all the time. Because I think that, that you know, that's just one of the issues with them defensively is they don't have a guy that you can just put on – a 6'11", 255-pounder is going to back you down um, and, and feel comfortable. You have to throw double teams. You have to move guys around. And, and that obviously is, I think, a little bit even more of a struggle when you look around and think, like, you know, those wing perimeter defenders, those guards, 
at Ohio State. They're not exactly the greatest defenders in and of themselves. So I think not having that guy, um, especially early in the tournament, I think that that's going to be helpful for for this defense. Yeah, speaking of defense, and it's obvious that Ohio State's undersized. Even with or without Kyle Young, they're super undersized. But that said, in the Big Ten this year, they've had to deal with Michigan, Purdue, I'm, I, I'm Iowa. Just, uh, uh, Iowa and Illinois. Illinois. Those are the five. Yeah, I was missing those four. How has that experience – I mean, they've had a double team in the post, which obviously hurts the guards. But how has that experience all season long in such a gauntlet of a Big Ten schedule prepared them for – I mean, any if you think about it, anything that they see in the NCAA tournament, they've seen already this season. Yeah, I think it's probably given a lot of, them a lot of experience of like the – holy crap, I hope we don't see that in the tournament four games in a row. And I'm glad that we won't see that. I think that there's probably that feeling, maybe more so than there is learning things. I mean, at, at the end of the day, I think what we've learned is that they don't have a great answer for that. Um, I'm not sure there's a ton of learning that can be done when you don't have a great answer um, for that. Like, I think that then it just becomes like, I hope that we minimize the amount of opportunities that we have to go against that. Now, the other end of the court, I think, is interesting because – you know, Ohio State has done a pretty good job to take advantage matchup-wise on on some of those bigger, slower-moving centers. And specifically, you look at a guy like, you know, EJ Liddell or Kyle Young, who have been able to, to extend the range um, of their shots and, and, you know, launch from three and, and become more, more threat more threatening from deep. And I think that that was a big question for the first month or two of the season was, you know, it didn't seem like they were going to have that ability and, and maybe that would have limited the offense if, if they weren't able to, but, you know, I think that that expansion of their game has been important. I'll be interested to see what, what they do offensively to, to counteract the fact that some of these teams, especially early, they don't have that plotting center. Uh, they just don't. Um, and, you know, that's, that'll, it'll be interesting to me to, to see how they, they address that and, and how that changes the way that they attack teams because they've been really, really good offensively. And a lot of that has come against, you know, a 6'11, 255 pound guy that's not exactly going to love chasing EJ Liddell or Kyle Young out to the three point line. Yeah. And with that, I mean, Ohio State all year in the Big Ten, they you've literally seen on both ends of the floor all you can see, whether it's a big guy on offense that's dominant, whether it's a big guy in the po- or down low on defense whether it's a fast team like Iowa that likes to get out and run or a slow team like Wisconsin that likes to slow it down a little bit, Ohio State, you can argue that Ohio State has literally seen everything that they can possibly see in the NCAA tournament. Plus, I mean, Illinois Illinois is number one seed, but they they have the guards, they have the big guys. So how does that prepare them for an NCAA tournament when they've already gotten all this experience. I guess you've already touched on this, but they've already gotten so much experience against every type of basketball you can possibly have. Yeah, I think it's important. I mean, a lot of these guys, um, I think it's probably notable that, like, these guys haven't ever played an NCAA tournament together, really. Like, it, 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 True. Moose Jala is basically the most experienced guy that they have in an NCAA tournament. And, you know, matchup dependent, he could just play, like, three minutes on a given night. He might play 25 minutes on the next night, but but you know he's obviously an inconsistent uh, minutes guy. And then I think that the other aspect is, you know, it's not like even beyond the NCAA tournament, it's not like these guys even last season um, were playing this kind of style, were playing this way. So you know, a full season without any COVID pauses, um, 
yeah, I, I don't think that you can can really dismiss that, especially since a lot of teams haven't been quite so quite so fortunate to get this many games in. Yeah, and speaking of COVID, I mean, in an NCAA tournament where if I know a couple of teams have already had a player or two with COVID and they're out two games, so not only is Ohio State trying to beat teams, but they're also trying to obviously stay away from COVID because if they lose even one key player, that's a huge loss. But I know you have to get on the radio soon, so I'll let you go here soon. Last question. Um, the X factor. I know Dwayne Washington, he does what he does. Ejo Adele brings so much offensively, both in the post and with his three-point shot that he has suddenly found since midseason. Anyone not named Dwayne Washington and EJ Liddell, who's the X factor if Ohio State wants to go far in this tournament? Yeah, I think, you know, some people might say C.J. Walker. I don't think it's C.J. Walker because I feel like C.J. Walker is just a legitimately good player who is the classic guy who you know he's going to make the right plays, he's going to do the right thing, he's not going to put up 25 in a game, but, you know, he's going to make smart plays um, for the majority of the time he's out there and control the game. Um, and I think that that's a really important thing to have in March. Um, I, I might say, you know, I might say a justice ceiling um, because I think that, you know, he's, he's been underrated a little bit in his ability to score. Like, I think you might've looked up in the middle of the Illinois game and said, wait, he has this many points or he's taking this many shots. Um, and also like, to be quite honest, like we've seen him make some important mistakes at, at some important times. Um, so I think it's important for him to, to, you know, finish games strong. And, and also like, you know, he's, he's going to be playing upwards of, of, 30 to, to 35 minutes a night. But, but I mean, I can't really not go away from Kyle Young because I think that, you know, a lot of, you know, there is to me a, a common factor when I looked at the, the end of the season and I looked at, you know, the kind of the, the role players to me disappeared a little bit in a way that was maybe a little bit uncomfortable. Um, and I think that Kyle Young and, and his injury, his concussion had a little bit to do with that. And to me, when he's healthy, He's really, really important to this team, both on the glass um, and his ability offensively, which I think like it's almost a cliche at this point to just say like they don't run plays for him. Like, wow, he can shoot a three, but like he's actually really efficient down low and he can get his own bucket when they need him to. And his three point stroke, like he's a, you know, he's basically a 40% three point shooter at this point, which is sort of nuts. So like getting Kyle Young healthy, you know, I think I think that's as important as, as just about anything else. Yeah, I mean, no one saw Kyle Leon and EJ Liddell being so good at three-point shooting midway through the season, but that's yeah, not, what happened, and it changed. Season. Yeah, it changed the offense so much. But yeah, Kyle, getting Kyle Leon back from concussion protocol again is huge. But yeah, so I'll let you go. I know you have to get on the radio here soon. Um, good luck in Indy. Go Bucks! Thanks, I for, thanks for joining me. See you, Kyle. Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. 
That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 